Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Let's uh, start the... There we go. Okay. Let's do that. <clears throat> so, it is your birthday today. Yes. Uh, I have another gift for you. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry about the not quite wrapping on it, but here you go. Yeah, thank you. It's, a, uh, it's in a paper bag. It's a bottle of hooch. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So he bought me a bottle of W.L. Weller Special Reserve, which is a weeded bourbon. It's uh, the little brother of my bucket list one, right? And uh, it's still good, right? It's, you know, the the one that we were talking about on Twitter was the one without the initials, right? The William yeah. LaRue Weather, Weller. And it's cask strength. So instead of 90 proof, it's... 160 proof or something like that. Best I could do. I, I, no, no, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm describing to the listeners and to you in case you didn't do the research on the on the mm-hmm. on the William Larue Weller. Um, but no, very cool. Thank you so much. Oh, that's cool. We're gonna do a whiskey shoot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so we are drinking uh, the elderflower cider that we had uh, a couple months ago yeah for the pre-show yeah we the one you know it's it's always a nice treat to save some of well, if we have doubles of, yeah. of things we really like on the show to to do get in the pre-show so saw this one deep in the fridge i'm like you know what we need to do that in the pre-show tonight <laughs> okay so why don't you tell me about why this uh cheesy bad compass that i bought is not just a bad compass, but it's just bad for... Yeah, it's not a great purposes. design. So, the compass Greg bought is kind of a... Orienteering one? I think. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a field orienteering type compass. Um, and it's a cheap version of, of such a thing. But even if it was a, a decent one, it's still not my preferred compass. So, this is the kind of compass that's like green and it flips up 90 degrees and has a little sight thing. So, you can like... Look yeah. out there and, and spot something. Uh, now, to give you an idea, th- the reason why I got this was when I was getting basically stuff for my costume. I was mm-hmm. getting cheap stuff that looked like, you know, it could be used as sort of diagnostic tools or something. Okay. So. Yeah, so the um, compass that I prefer is a map compass, right? It's a plastic thing. It's on a clear base. So when you're working on a map... I having one of those when I was in the Boy Scouts. Right, right. And so when you're working on a map, you can line it up, you can orient the map and all that stuff. When you have this one, it's much it's much harder to be accurate with it, right? And if you're trying to orientate a long distance, your map being a little bit off is going to make a big difference. So the different components of the compass... Yeah, so this one is a bit different. Let's see how this... So let me teach you how to use this compass. Okay, the flat one. So, he has a map in front of him. I have, a, I have a topographic map in topographic topographic map in front of me. It's of a place where the, the scouts went camping. I did an orienteering thing back here a while ago, so I had a whole bunch of these printed up. And uh, so, down here tells you what the magnetic declination was back in two thousand eight, when. Uh, this was printed off of some map software. It was 10 degrees then. Magnetic was 10 degrees west of True North. So with this compass, mm-hmm. you see there's the the 20 and 40 
inside the circle there. Okay. You can actually build in your magnetic declination into this compass there. Um, actually, no, this one doesn't do the build-in. But you can use that to kind of do your 20, 10, 10 degrees. So what you would do to orient the map is take the side of your compass, put it along the border of the map here. Because mm-hmm. you know that's magnetic or uh, geographic north, right? And then you just turn the whole paper... And they call it putting the dog in the doghouse. Uh, you see how that little red needle, not the needle, but the arrow on the bottom looks kind of like a house, right? The way the top is. So you just turn it. And then, so now the map is true to the earth, right? You just oriented the map. Okay. And um, so, you know, if you're standing there, you know what's in front of you is what the map shows is in front of you. Well, or if, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because the map's oriented now. Because you are oriented in the position that the map is. Right. Up is north. Yes. So if this was my street, right, and this was my house, and I was looking straight ahead, right, you know, you know it would be here, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the next thing you want to do when you're working with a map is kind of plot your course, right? So we're looking at a map that has a few roads, a bunch of oil wells. So say we're here at the end of this road by the lake, right? And we want to get to the Owen oil well here. This is wonderful for listeners, I'm sure. Well, trying to... Yeah, <laughs> I'm just so I'm just pointing out. You know, you could also have a ruler too, right? Yeah, and draw a line. But but typically, you would put you right under the needle, the the pivot point of the compass, right? And then where it says direction of tra- or it says read bearing here, right? Point that at oil well, right, right where you want to go, and then you hold that down to the map, and then you turn this turny part of the compass, so magnetic north is there right so now your compass is set now you can actually start walking so now what you do is you hold it in front of you and you turn your body until the needle is pointing to north on the compass again inside that Mm -hmm. and then it says read bearing here this arrow that's where that's the way you want to walk you always want to walk this arrow right so we're going to walk that way until we get to where we want to go okay so that's basically and you know, it's pretty easy to hold the compass out, and you don't really need this viewfinder and this little thing to p- pick a tree. Yeah. Because that's what you do. You hold your compass up, you pick a tree that you're pointing to, you walk to that tree, you do the next one. If you want to be really accurate, you you know, you pick like two or three trees, right? And then you like go back and make sure the trees behind you are still in line and all that stuff, right? But um, so with this, this that's what that's for. This is like you put the Use the little magnifying glass so you can read the bearing number that's down in your compass, right? So you can see that, and you can see a tree at the same time. Oh, at least, I see. At least that's kind of the idea, even though it doesn't really work well in practice. So you're like, okay, it says 300 degrees, and that little line in the viewfinder is on something. I'm going to walk to that thing. That's all that stuff's good for, right? And really, you can do it just as well with this, right? So... And I think that's about the end of the compass lesson for you. Okay, fair enough. I don't want to drag it on too long. Um, that's really the basics. Things don't need batteries. No, they don't. Not even this one, this bad one. <laughs> it shouldn't have an air bubble in it like that either, so that's another yeah. big issue. Like I said, it's cheap. Yeah. Um, Boy. So, we're doing this on a Sunday because uh, both Jeff and I were busy yesterday. Yep. Yeah, I was... So we were, like... I was going to go to Damien's party if, like, we could find some babysitters and Heather could come and actually be an adult, right? Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. Um, 
couldn't really line it up. My parents, my my mom, won't watch both kids at once like overnight. Um, so and they came over for cake anyway. Mm-hmm. And by the time the kids were in bed and, and like I don't want to really drive all the way to South Point. So. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, you know, it was a good time. I guess. Yeah, it was fun. A good time. Was there really like fifty people there? There were a lot of people. <laughs> Man. Mm. So I listened to a little bit of the post show last week. I don't know. I didn't. I, it sounds like I was like in a funk or something like that. Like I really wasn't clicking. Really with I, the with the you know just the thought that went through my head. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't listen to this. <laughs> it was less active than than. A previous post show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, did, yeah, I just listened to them. Like, I hope they're not all like that. Because <laughs> no. I wouldn't listen to that. So, so it, I, it, it I have was, a, I'm on a mission to do a great okay. show tonight. Okay. It was it was a couple. I mean, it was a couple of things of us just listening to things yeah. and, and commenting on it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not perfect. So yeah, but I was. Uh, I guess we got some new website stuff and new yes new we should logo. talk about that the new the new logo that you designed and um, I think it's interesting that you are I wonder well, why I, I'm motivated you, well I I think I know why you're motivated so you can correct me if I'm wrong how about that okay. how about I guess All right. um, I think the kids are finally up to the point where you don't have to be on them all the time and so you finally have. Uh, some some room to 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 work on things that you did that you wanted to do before that and the fact that our you know attempts to get things media sample stuff has mm-hmm. accelerated and, and right. worked very well yeah and, I, think, I think that's yeah. part of it uh, I think you know it's an ebb and a flow thing and I think it's been ebbing for a long time so I think I'm kind of like in a heavy flow, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, and it'll probably wear off. I probably sure, won't be sure. doing it. So that's part of it. And like uh, everything comes in waves. Yeah. The media samples things, I think is probably a bit of a driver. And, uh, I mean, our old logo, I thought was cool when we started that someone designed us a logo, but I really haven't really liked it that much for a very long time. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't easy to, it was kind of cluttered, right? There was a lot going on. It wasn't a clean logo. And uh, so I'm not saying our new logo is going to win any awards, but it kind of did what I what my goals were. Uh, first goal was to square it up because most of the places it's seen are in small square boxes. Yeah. And making putting a circle in a small square box makes a really small circle. So squaring it up will get more usable visual space uh, of it. So that was first goal. Uh, since I was doing a square, I figure, you know, those iOS 8 icons look pretty sleek and sexy. So let's borrow from those design mm-hmm. characteristics, right? That was part number two. And then part number three was I wanted to keep the a, a significant feel of the old logo. Right? So that was with the brown. and The brown and the CBR yeah. and, and still having a glass in there and whatnot. So, I mean, those are really my three goals. I think it came across fairly well. My my only comment um, was that I thought you know the the beer is shown in a more Weizen like glass and mm-hmm. we so we are very much into snifters but Jeff showed me you know an example of a snifter and it's like yeah it doesn't really work right for the logo yeah so 
that's uh, you know it's fine. I think I think it's fine. We had a comment from Dave in the UK about the same kind of thing where he thought the the beer glass, the beer that was being displayed on the icon, was too pedestrian for yeah. what we are. It, it's hard to convey the yeah. the beer tulip or you know the the high endiness of, of our review <laughs> by the shape of a beer glass in a logo where mm-hmm. you want it to be just identified with a beer podcast right um so i i I'll, I'll listen to all the feedback i'm not going to be defensive about it like i said i don't think this is going to win any awards uh kind of surprised you didn't use the dildo one i mean that would have been <laughs> you like that one <laughs> I uh I mocked up one where instead of the silhouette of a beer glass I found a like a suction cup dong <laughs> put a silhouette of a big yellow dong behind the CVR and uh yeah it was fun. Greg's like uh need some more foam. Mm-hmm. Need some more head on it. <laughs> I tried mocking up uh like a silhouette of like a naked chick like where she's like squatting like i found there's like <laughs> if you search for like sexy silhouettes on google images yeah. you'll get some pretty pretty graphic silhouettes and i tried to put one of those there but it, it lost something it didn't it didn't have the same it didn't have the, the same je ne sais quoi as the dildo mm. <laughs> <laughs> like the dildo gets our point across better <laughs> two dongs in a basement drinking beer <laughs> Oh boy, uh, I'm trying to think of, of stuff that I wanted to talk about. Let me look. And that's not all I've done on the website, right? I reworked the oh, RSS yeah. feed thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to implement um, episode specific images in the RSS feed, so I hacked the the. Uh, so we're using a program called Dirt2Cast. It's it's a little PHP script that I found a while ago that did exactly what we wanted. We didn't want to have a full CMS. We wanted to have something that scanned uh, a directory, made an RSS feed. It pulls metadata out of similarly named text files and things like that. Uh, when we first implemented, I forgot how much I had to hack it up to make it work enough for our needs. That's like that's why the descriptions in the RSS page were goofed up this mm-hmm. afternoon, right? Because I had forgot that I had changed something there. But this time it's going to be a lot more maintainable because it's hosted on GitHub. So I forked it on GitHub and made the changes, did some check-ins, uh, may send the owner of the project some pull requests so he could maybe integrate these into his main core depends how much of it's in line with i tried to make them options instead of rewriting his functionality so it the thing hasn't he hasn't committed any code to it since 2011 right so it's not a very yeah, so it's project. probably not <laughs> so i'm not too worried about getting my changes committed back into the master right because if there's any changes they should be easy for me to merge into my right. fork um but it's yes yeah, up on GitHub. So if any you know anyone's doing a podcast and you know is wondering what we're using, it's there now. You can uh, can pull down my code changes and try to get it to work. You also made episode specific pages, right? So somebody goes to Crappy Radio slash the episode number. number. Yeah, it it takes you. It it it's a PHP script that basically reads the text file, that metadata text file that builds the RSS, and then draws it as a web page with clicks, you know, clickable links and stuff like that. Uh, we've been, I've, I felt that we've been, as I've been getting more into promoting this CBR thing, right? Like we've been tweeting at CBR with the breweries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And something that was missing was being able to link them 
could link them to the MP3, but it needed to link them to a web thing, an mm-hmm. HTML page. So I created this so we can actually link to specific show information. So I created that too. Yeah. So lots and lots of new things on the CBR website. Very cool. The um, also, did you see in? I, I saw that you put an, an iTunes thing for our saver feed. I submitted it. Yeah. yeah. So I cleaned up the saver feed and. It will be available in the iTunes store once they approve it. Right. Um, so that's another thing. And then, did you see in episode three eleven or no three three thirteen? Uh, I embedded a picture of the beers in the MP3. So when you're playing it, you can, oh no, I did not see that. You can see the picture of the empty bottles, and then also that's the picture you probably did see where I put the Crafty Radio slash three thirteen in the top. I tweeted that. If you go to the Crafty Radio okay, on Twitter, think... it's that picture, right? So. That's another thing that I, I thought of. Like, there's a couple places around here, Caliente Draft House. One of the ways they get around 140 character limit in Twitter is they do kind of like flyers or infographics. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how Alton Brown writes on right, post-it yeah. notes. You know, things like that. So I was thinking, if I could have a, a shortcut to get to the episode info, like slash three thirteen, then we could just put the URL over this picture, right? And then we don't have to type space with that click URL. You know. Sometimes we'll put it there if it fits, but yeah. if it doesn't fit, this is a good way around it. So, yeah, that's that's about it for the Craft Beer Radio improvements. But I'm, I'm like I said, I've I've been pretty motivated, pretty excited about what we're doing here. So, you know, next step would be, <laughs> I know we don't want to jump back into the editing thing again because that we we've overcome that that barrier. Mm-hmm. But if we could have like chapter notices at, at the points where we do different beers, but that would still be that would take a yeah, lot of take more time. Yeah. It'd be nice. Um, well, then we'd have to do AACs, too. Oh, really? Yeah, you can't do it with MP3s. Oh, never mind then. Yeah, so that 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 means we'd have to have an AAC, AAC feed and an MP3 feed. Ugh. So chapters would be cool, but it's not in the deck. Most people weren't going to subscribe to the enhanced feed anyway. Yeah. All right. I ordered an iPhone 6 today. Oh, It'll really? be here on Tuesday. Okay, so not a plus. Not a plus. I got the 64 gig 6. Not much of a surprise. Pretty much what I've said I, I was always going to mm-hmm. get. Um, black or white? Space gray. Space black, yeah. Black. Yeah. Gold, man. I got the gold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pimp. Um, yeah, so, you know, my birthday, kind of like, kind of like, hey, it's my birthday. And the thing, free shipping, free overnight shipping will be here on Tuesday and... Uh, like I was looking at some of these other podcast programs. One of the ones is the guy I was having a problem with last week. It turned out to be the the episode shortcut thing. The rewriting messed it up. But you know, but there's these there's two or three like new po- podcast programs that get really high reviews, but they only run on iOS eight, right? Now my phone can do iOS eight, um, and I think they fixed some of the performance issues. But when iOS eight first came out, it really sucked on a four S. So I still haven't upgraded. Hmm. I'm not going to upgrade, right? I'm going to keep iOS 7 on here. I'll probably sell the thing for 100 bucks, And then... Whoever, 4S? You think you'll be getting 100 bucks for that? I think you can probably still get 100 bucks for it. Hmm. And then the new owner can decide, you know... It actually might... It might give it more value still having iOS 7 on it. I don't know. I haven't looked at the market. But it's conceivable because if iOS 8's a dog on it, it runs better with 7, so... Um, is it a Verizon one? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's not great for. I mean, that that hurts the resale too. If it was a GSM phone, it has a better resale value than a CDMA phone. 
Can you unlock it easily with Horizon? Will they let you? I AT&T let me unlock it very easily. But. Right. I think it ha- I think it only works with Verizon. I don't I think there re- there used to only be one other CDMA carrier and I'm not sure if they're still or uh, I'm trying to think who that was. No, it it will only work with Verizon and Ace. I don't think it's Sprint. Some somebody else. But like concur or something <laughs> like that. something, yeah. Um it's, but can I mean, in order for you to to give it to somebody else, you have to unlock it, right? You have to. No, um, no. You can you could I with Verizon. That's not really the unlocking it. Lets you change carriers. Oh, okay, you don't have to unlock it. Um, you can sell the phone. You just need to. The thing is, if if you know, if I'm delinquent on my account, the phone's tarnished, right? And you can't, if you buy a phone online, right? You got to make sure that the EIN's clear, right? Otherwise, you might be buying a brick that they'll never activate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what I get for it, but I'll probably sell it. All right. I tweeted, uh, let's see, my most recent tweet is, I just had a dream that I can only characterize as my subconscious being sarcastic <laughs> towards me. I'm trying to remember what, because you, know, you can't remember dreams, but it was something like, um, I don't know, I, I dreamed, it's really, it's such a fog, but it was like, I, I, I dreamed that there was some special numbers that I was, I was, for whatever reason, it was a lottery or, or I was trying to find dancers or something, whatever. And uh, and then later on in the dream, the numbers presented me again by somebody being like, "Here's your dumb numbers, dumbass." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I, said, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was just like I, I I woke up almost immediately, like feeling, "Wow, my brain just said this is this is a really stupid dream you're having." <laughs> nice. Does the moon still exist when you're not looking at it? Okay. Yeah, you tweeted that, yeah. and we had a bit of a discussion where uh, I made a comment as to um, object persistence, right, for yeah. infants, right, where, you know, you can't see the keys, do the keys, you know, the, you know right. a certain age child won't, won't look for the keys, they don't even, they no longer exist, right? So I was confused by your question, and then you talked about it, what if it was accelerating away from us at uh, greater than the speed of light, and uh, my comment was kind of you said the moon, as in Luna, right? Which isn't going to happen, but it's uh, not but in our lifetimes. I I said, note that I said the doesn't moon still exist when you're not looking at it? The strange answer seems to be yes, but there are ways that it could be unclear. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that there are ways in which it could be unclear whether the moon still exists. One of those is if the moon was accelerating away from us. Now, right. the moon is not accelerating away from us at a speed greater than C. But I did say there are ways right. in which it could be unclear. So, but yeah, being the reason why, this is a question about quantum mechanics, essentially, when it comes down to mm-hmm. it. Because, uh, you know, it goes back to the whole Schrodinger's cat situation. Things are seem to be in, in flux and superposition. Is, is it really real? And the reason why we can say, yes, it's real, is because we are feeling the the effects of the moon being there right now. Or at least the moon being there uh, one light second mm-hmm. from right. for, uh, ago. So because we are, in that sense, uh, correlated with it, 
we are feeling it. But if it were moving away from us, like some objects need in uh, the universe are receding at that mm-hmm. speed, right? Um, or if we assume, <laughs> I mean, that we can't really see quite that far out yet, but we're soon to be able to, at some point, see almost to our light horizon. Right. But the assumption is there's other parts of the universe, but we can't actually say. And since there's no information, since there's no correlation between us, something halfway between us and them would be correlated with it. They would be able to effectively see. But their reality is different measurably from ours because they have diff- there's mm-hmm. different measurable effects going on. Right. It goes back to the whole relational mm-hmm. quantum mechanics right. thing. Did you like my title for your spinoff podcast, Greg Weiss, The Quantum Mechanic? <laughs> no. No? No? <laughs> I thought it was a good name. I didn't see that where you put that. I thought I sent that to you. Uh, I'm sure I sent that to you. Maybe not, but yeah. I said you really need to spin off that show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was. It was just me kind of ruminating on, on a question that was in, as uh, Dave pointed out, uh, Jim Al-Khalili. Uh, okay. BBC thing about quantum mechanics. The very the first episode was really actually quite good um, about explaining quantum mechanics without being too hand wavy about it, which is a problem I have with with a lot of these pop side mm-hmm. things. The second one was a different question and felt a lot more hand wavy. Okay, that's cool. Sony, North Sony, Korea, Sony, North Korea. So we talked last week about how I was scared about this whole thing. Yeah. And uh it's it's actually good. We we had a meeting about you know, when things like this happen, since you know I'm debating like I need to, I'm I'm thinking I'm preempting myself thinking where the line needs to be drawn on like what I talk about, what I don't talk yes. about, right? Um not that I'm hiding anything back, but you know, no company pays enough attention to security all the time, right? And then when things like this happen... I guess unless, I can, you're, unless you're a pure security company. Yes, I can use it as as motivation to call a meeting, have some discussions and whatnot. So we had our meeting. We uh, made some, some pretty good recommendations, some, you know, closing off some lower-hanging things. You know, actually kind of working under the um, the premise of not if we get hacked. I hate to say when we get hacked, but, you know, not just focusing on the perimeter 100%, right. but, like, assuming there's a threat inside, controlling, limiting what they can get access to. Like, so we define some very, the most important things we would want them not to get access to. And I'm not going to go into too many details there, but it's things we can actually control pretty good. Um where there's other things that are much harder to control. So we're, we've got some steps in the works to, to implement some of that stuff. So it, it's going to be a good outcome. Got something new to work on now. Something kind of fun to, you know, it's like, as I'm, I'm writing up the design spec for this thing, right? And as I'm coming up with ideas, I'm also breaking the ideas, right? And like, how would I compromise that? Yeah. How would I compromise that? So it's, it's doing a little bit of that, you know, white hack hacker type point of view of it. And kind of like, okay, so if I do this, it removes this dependency, but then it gains this one, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, do we, here's something, you know, do we put it on a port forward behind our firewalls 
or we put it on its own thing out on the internet, right? Um, if it's out on the internet, it could be attacked directly. It's a, it's not a very high access thing. I feel you could get locked down. If it's like through our firewalls, and then if the firewalls get compromised, uh, you know, then the traffic to this resource could be manipulated, right? So now there's two things that could be hacked mm-hmm. instead of just one, you know, and trying to do those kinds of calculations, right? So it's a lot of fun. It's better than sitting back saying, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. It's always better to be proactive about these yeah. things. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I kind of agree that with with the assumption that it's not a case of if, it's a case of when, just because... It's 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 better to. It's a better way, I think, to to look at your security, you know, it because you're saying let's let's get ahead of the problem as opposed to you know let's just let's barricade ourselves in and assume we'll be safe that way. Right. It's it's pick the most critical things, put special effort on those, and then focus on early detection. Yeah. Right. Um. The early de- <laughs> that whole focusing on early detection, that's probably going to be, that's probably going to prove to be quite expensive. <laughs> well, I, I imagine you're going to have to, does everybody have a software running on their systems for detection of malware and things well, like that? Well, but it's more so in our, in our environment, you know, it's a huge lab environment, right? There's lots of machines that are wide, need to be wide open to be able to, to be lab machines, right? They have, they don't do, specific functions you know so you almost need network monitoring to look for suspicious behavior well you don't want those machines that are wide open to be connected in any way to your main network i I would say all those machines would need to be only accessed via some sort of vpn right that way you are you are actually segregating it from your network completely right there's uh so yes those are things so that we some that we do right today um but it's you know focusing on these things like these monitoring nodes you can have out on the network looking for suspicious traffic right that's really the way to in our environment that's probably the best way to go um thing is you need someone who pretty much does just that or you need to have a company do that for you. Right. And um, yeah, it's not going to be cheap. Well, and my my fear is that it's so expensive that we can't justify it. Half measure sometimes. Yeah. The thing is, I feel it's so important that early detection, you know, it's... But yeah, I'm, I'm half worried that it's going to be too expensive to implement. So, you compromise because that's life is is about compromise. Yeah, you can't make everything perfect. I know. But all right, that's probably enough of me talking about my uh, <laughs> corporate security. Uh, yeah, let's go on to drink some beers. What do you say? Sounds good.